Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West End podcast, and this week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk, where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a fantastic signed and framed David Moyes shirt. Tickets are just £5.95 each, only 49 will be sold, and the competition ends on Friday the 11th of February at 7.30pm, so you've got a fantastic chance of winning there. The draw will be made an hour later live on the Football Prizes Facebook page. Don't forget there's been some fantastic signed pieces from Tony Cotty, Saeed Rama, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Sufal up for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. What a week. West Ham narrowly avoid the biggest FA Cup upset in basically the history of the entire competition by needing a last-minute equaliser in normal time and then a last-minute winner in extra time to beat sixth-tier Kidderminster Harriers away from home in the FA Cup. And if that wasn't enough stress and drama and general controversy and negative PR for West Ham United in one week, Kurt Zuma decides to inexplicably start kicking his cat and hitting his cat in footage that went up online and then on the front page and back pages of newspapers across the country on TV and radio stations. Um, Before, he's then picked for West Ham's 1-0 home victory over Watford in the Premier League on Tuesday night. It's a very, very, very strange time to be talking To my mate James Jones again, but it's what we're both doing this Wednesday lunchtime. We've managed to carve time out of our schedules, uh, me in a little studio in my office at work, James working from home today. Josie absolutely shattered because of all of his various mainstream TV appearances this morning, representing himself and We Are West Ham podcast with aplomb on the Kurt Zuma issue. Nowhere else to start. Really, Jonesy, uh, we're a little bit pushed for time this week. Just to explain, first of all, obviously, that the reason we didn't do a podcast before the Watford game uh, was because a little bit of a quick turnaround. Mine and Jonesy's schedule didn't really allow, so it would have only been gone 
out Tuesday morning, probably, um, with the opposition view and stuff, which wouldn't have made for great listening. So we thought we'd do double reaction rather than double preview. Uh, and it sort of works out quite nicely with what's gone since. Only one place to start, Jonesy, uh, Kurt Zuma, him getting picked, the incident in the first place. Um, what a complete shambles. That's one way of putting it, mate. Um, <clears throat> I'm still still shocked that he was anywhere near the stadium on Tuesday night. Should have just been nowhere near it. I think the assumption was that he wouldn't play. So seeing him in that starting 11, um, it just shocked everyone more than anything. But I mean, going back to like his actual, what he's actually yeah, done. Yeah, let's do that first, mate. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, I'm still struggling to find the words for that kind of behaviour. Like, it just, it's inexplicable. It's disgusting. It's appalling. I mean, I could get the thesaurus out again this week if I needed to, but you know, <laughs> literally every bad word you can think about what, what he's done um, applies to this to this incident. Um, I just I find it very, very hard to believe that anyone's capable of that. Obviously, we know it's just capable sick, of isn't it? But, it's just sick. It's so gross. I mean, I mean, the fact is, you know, he, he come out in his in his apology statement and said that you know the, the cats are, are loved by all the family. I'm not being funny, mate. But if you love a cat the way you say that you love a cat, you do not treat it like that. Mm. Um, I don't care whether it's knocked down a vase or pulled off a light fixture in the kitchen, which is what we're led to believe. Also, also known as animal behaviour. Yeah, cats. They like climbing things. They like getting about and running about and getting a little bit, you know, a little bit hyper every now and then. They're going to knock not, stuff not, over. Not known for uh, their differentiation between an expensive vase or a flashlight fitting or a yeah. ball of wool or whatever that, yeah. or other I mean, such toys that cats play with. I just, and the fact that there's a kid involved and the kid seems to be enjoying himself doing it. Um, yeah, no, nothing really adds up. The whole thing's like, one, what was he, like, shouldn't be done, done even, like, everyone knows what he was doing was completely wrong. Two, it's been recorded by crazy, his brother. Mate. Three, there was a kid involved. And four, like, his brother then thought, oh, I know what I'll do. My brother's a superstar Premier League footballer. Uh, I'll stick this on social media so everyone can see what he's, what he's doing. I mean, where's the brains in that? I mean, there's just literally... Every single participation, every, everyone involved at every single moment, it's just brain dead, completely brain dead and sick. Yeah. And I don't know, but the whole thing's just outrageous. Um, the backlash is 100% fully understandable, <clears throat> um, heightened by the fact that he played against Watford, which just hasn't helped the situation whatsoever. And I, I understand, mate, and I'm the first one to go, people need to stop looking to Premier League football for moral guidance, people need to do that, generally, public do. So when Premier League footballers do disgusting things and it just gets completely ignored for the good of, because of the three points or the money, or which is all it boils down to anyway, because the money dictates that lots of things get brushed under the carpet or overlooked. I've seen so much whataboutery since this has all happened. Uh, and I honestly, I, I don't know, mate. It seems a bit hypocritical for me because I always bang on about stop looking to the Premier League for moral guidance or moral soundness because it doesn't exist there. It is just a purely like one hundred percent money driven 
beast, right? As are all the teams in it. Most of the time, most of the time. I'm not saying there aren't glimmers of like positivity in amongst that and, uh, you know, foundational work, blah, blah, blah. Not, but you know what I mean? On the whole, yeah. it's, 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 it's a bit of a moral cesspit compared to other areas of the world and society. You could look for more uplifting examples of humanity doing good things. Uh, so it sounds a bit hypocritical for me now being angry about it. But this one even just sort of takes a biscuit even more. I said something very, very similar on, on Radio 4 this morning. And, uh, you know, what do you think of David Moyes' comments that, you know, it's a footballing decision, you know, he needs to pick his best 11. Like, I don't care whether Kurt Zuma is the best defender in the world. Like, at the end of the day, regardless of, of whether we, need, we needed to win that game or not, like, you can go a game without him. We've already spent two months without him this season, three months without him this season. We can, we can do, go one game, particularly against at home to Watford. You know, mm. just don't, don't play him. Mm. Um, but then the the the, the comments from boys after saying, "Well, it was a football decision. The, the club are going to deal with it behind behind closed doors." So, well, mate, like you've you've missed the point a little bit there. You've missed the point. Like, don't care whether he's the best best defender at the club, which he is. And you know, in my opinion, he was probably the best player on the pitch as well, um, or one of the best players on the pitch. I thought he had a very good game. But Best he shouldn't be bunch, maybe. But yeah, he shouldn't. He shouldn't have been there. Like, no, no, no. He shouldn't have been there. Don't. Like, he should have been someone else having a, having a pretty good game. Um. Okay. If, you know, I've seen a lot of people go. Oh, well, you know, it was him or it's a Diop. I mean, come on. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Like, it's just. Yeah. You said that. The mor- the moral thing to do first and foremost was to go right. Well, you're coming out the spotlight. Because what you've done is disgusting, and we're going mm. to punish you for it. And we're not going to put you back in the spotlight. Less than twenty-four hours after that, that video has been released, because everyone's pretty angry about it at the moment. We don't want to, you know. I don't know. Like it, the whole thing just baffles me. The whole the whole situation has baffled me from start to finish. And the fact that he's decided to treat a, a, an animal in that way, <clears> um, <throat> to the decision to to, to play him. Um, and then Moyes' comments after about it being a footballing decision. It's just like, he was put in that position by the club. The club should have never put him in that position to then have to defend his decision. He made the wrong decision. He could have turned around and gone, Look, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not playing. Yeah. But he shouldn't have been in that position to make that decision in the first place. The club should have gone, mm. he's not available tonight. Pick someone else. Pick his deal. Yeah. Like, um, and then he's been put, he's made the wrong decision. And then he said to defend himself, and then in defend himself, he said even he said, you know, things really don't really make much sense. So defending um, the indefensible, most yeah, right, James. And, let let me let, let me sort of play devil's advocate here, and I just want to make it abundantly clear that that's what I'm doing. Um, I've sort of made my stance clear on the whole thing, and I I totally agree with you, James. So, is there anywhere an argument that says, um, <clears throat> because uh, because of Zuma's sick actions in the first place, because of those, then there should, I don't know, there is, is there sort of this idea that West Ham's league progress shouldn't then be hampered more? Or if we, if we were then to, I don't know, lose 1-0 to Watford last night because of an Isidiop mistake, and then we miss out on Europa League football by three points at the end of the season, is there any argument in any of that that goes, and you know what, actually, that might be 
out of whack with what happened and, I don't know, fans who might suffer. Um, no, I, I, even, no. Mate, even as I'm saying it's it, you know, you know when you get radio I, presenters sometimes who play devil's advocate for the good of the show? There's, there's I, 38 I can't games. be bothered this time. It's there's 38 games in the it? season, you know. Yeah. We, we've had plenty of chances this season to win football matches and we haven't, yeah. you know. And this I is mean, the a paid professional centre-back. Yeah, I mean, I could rattle them off. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've spoken about it so many times. Had we beaten yeah, Southampton, yeah, yeah. Leeds, Brighton, yeah. Burnley, and we haven't. So not playing against Watford and, and jeopardising three points at home to Watford to, with a chance to go fourth in the league isn't really going to wash it in the yeah. season if we miss our three points. Like, and if we're going like, into a game against Watford where if we don't play our best centre-back, we're they risk losing, then we've got other problems there anyway, haven't we? Exactly. Watford yeah. are abysmal. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think we've done that. Steph, mate, completely ignore that devil's advocate bit. I just thought, oh, maybe there is something in it. It's just, of course it's not. It's absolutely pathetic. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the whole thing. Just just baffling, mate. Just absolutely baffling. We do have the, the rest of the show coming up. I can't guarantee you it's going to be that much more positive because we're going to have to, have to talk about the Kidderminster game at some stage, which isn't ideal. And then we've got an opposition view um, with Jake Watson from Talk Sport. Big Leicester fan whose team were walloped um, at <laughs> their local bitter rivals, Nottingham Forest, in the FA Cup uh, last time out. Um, yeah, so, so I can't <laughs> promise you the show will be much more uh, positive or upbeat than it's been so far. But you've had a lot of that this season. So if nothing else, just stay with us for, the, um, for a bit of variety to our content <laughs> for a change. Worth noting as well, that the tribute to Isla before the game in the programme, uh, David Moyes and Mark Noble writing about it in their programme pieces, and of course the the applause in the seventh minute. I was genuinely, mate, It was I found it so moving. I was nearly moved to tears. It was just, it was so nice, like everyone coming together. Um, I mean, just that moment of unity, I thought the club did well with the, like the stuff they put on the screen. Obviously, uh, Nicky... Um, was, again, I think the the, the family were, uh, were were touched by it and and have thanked everyone for those gestures. So certainly, as far as I was concerned, when we were there, I thought it was wonderfully observed by everyone. The Watford fans joining in as well. Um, and yeah, it's rude. Some of those things, you know, the minute applause or whatever depends if you know them or whatever. But you felt everyone in the ground was really connected to it, and and it was quite moving. Yeah, it was a lovely tribute. Um, and the, the, the same thing in the seventh minute as well. And it was, yeah, it was just really, really fitting for the entire stadium to kind of give a round of applause and and just pay tribute to what a wonderful, wonderful little girl that you know sadly had a you know lost her battle with with cancer, but you know it was in everyone's hearts. And I think that showed on on Tuesday night because. It was the entire stadium. Everyone was moved. Mm. You know, I was looking around, and everyone was very, very moved about the whole thing. And and rightly so. She she's touched everyone in one way or another. And um, yeah, as we keep saying, we've said it we've said it numerous times um, over the last couple of weeks that you know her legacy will live on. And um, we've already heard from. I think her mum said that you know they're going to take a bit of time out and they're going to come back fighting stronger than ever to. To keep fighting for you know uh, for you know raise money for awareness of neuroblastoma and, and go again and do everything they possibly can to ensure that no one else has to go through what Isla went through and you know I think that's that's fantastic of them to to continue the fight 
Um, and, you know, I'm sure West Ham fans will be right behind the Caton family as well. So really, really good tribute. And, um, yeah, yeah, it was just, just lovely to see. And well done to the club for for ensuring that it, it went really well and, and putting it on and, um, you know, giving, giving our family all the support they need. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Uh, just a reminder, as ever, at the end of the introduction, as I always do, that uh, you can follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. We're on Instagram at we are West Ham Pod. Facebook, you can search we are West Ham Podcast. YouTube, you can do the same thing. We are West Ham Podcast over there. Uh, for the clips and bits and pieces that Jonesy puts up so well, you can email us at wearewestampod at gmail.com. Uh, links to all the ways you can follow us and contact the podcast are included in the description below. And don't forget, as ever, you can buy us a beer and support the pod if you like at buymeacoffee.com slash wearewestam for as little as £5 each. The money comes to Jonesy and I and it only goes on beers which we did spend some at the weekend watching the Kidderminster game together we'll chat about that in a bit uh, or equipment guest fees that sort of thing to make the show uh, as good as it is and as good as you're used to so that's all coming up um, but we'll speak about I think next up Kidderminster Harriers sorry <laughs> well James one drastically depressing thing to another um it's quite hard to imagine really how having had to endure that together uh, <laughs> sat together in on saturday in london bridge haven't met up for for a while the two of us for a pint um sat and watched the football together last time we did was tottenham away in the league cup another thoroughly depressing experience <laughs> um where we went to the game together so decided to meet up in London Bridge, to a couple of days before Jonesy to watch West Ham in the FA Cup against Kidderminster Harriers, and then England play Scotland in the rugby. And let's be honest, the insinuation when we were planning the day was very much, we'll watch West Ham thrash Kidderminster Harriers in the FA Cup, and then we'll watch England thrash Scotland in the Six Nations. Six or seven pints, at least. What a lovely day this is going to be. Sport, our team's winning, me and you having a catch-up. What could possibly go wrong? Um, and I think we we both went home thoroughly grumpy, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. It did. I mean, it was still a good day. Um, oh, yeah. Me and you had a laugh, didn't we? Yeah, we had a great time. Uh, way too many beer. Well, too much beer, shall I say. But, um, but yeah, the sport was, was terrible, wasn't it, really? I mean, okay, one of, the, one of our teams won, if you can call it winning. Um, but, yeah, like, kind of just woke up in the morning thinking, right, we're going to see lots of goals, lots of tries. It's going to be wonderful. See me old mate Will, a few beers. Yeah. Brother came along as well. I'd seen him for, yeah, yeah. for a little, little while. So I was like, oh, it'd be a really good day out. And it just didn't really work out like that. But I mean, it was still a good day. We had plenty of beer and had a good chinwag caught up a little bit. And, um, exactly. Exchanged a bit of an early night. injury stories, didn't we? We did, yeah. Yeah. I think I won that one, mate, did I? No, top, top Trump's definitely smashed it hands down, mate. Yep. Um, had a little picture at the end where, uh, yeah, it's a couple of people uh, um, I know told me I look handsome. Uh, you were a little bit concerned with the, your own appearance, though, weren't you? You needed a couple of takes. But I was like, ah, oh, let's have a photo put up on the podcast, Twitter and the Instagram and stuff. Um, you weren't very happy, were you? Uh, well, I mean, I'd, I'd forgotten that those photos were taken until you you put it on Twitter the, the following day. And I was like, oh, I forgot about those. And then I remembered, like, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and to be fair, mate, I know I've, I've splashed it all over my own social media as well, but I'm still not that impressed with it. <laughs> Even with take two. Yeah, not great. Not great. 
Yeah, well, um, as we always say about buying us beers and all that sort of thing, um, there are plenty of you have already, which we really appreciate. The bill was 175 quid. Uh, <laughs> there was two of us. Your brother came along for a few beers. Uh, one of my pals, the late Norrent one I'm always talking about, come along for a couple at the end. I think we had two burgers each. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who's chipped in. Uh, buymeacoffee.com slash wearewestam. Uh, we have been out together before, but that was um, a significant chunk of it uh, from those funds went on the beers on Saturday. So uh, unfortunately, it hasn't improved the content today because we had a bit of a depressing <laughs> day and things have just got worse since. <laughs> but uh, there we go. Um, coming in, talk to me about the game, James. Uh, appreciate it's sort of been overshadowed and rightfully and understandably so by the stuff that's happened with Zuma since. I think we've said all we need to say on that for now. If anything changes, we'll of course address it accordingly. Um, Kidderminster game. Well, I mean, I, mean oh, I don't know. Just equally, <laughs> well, not equally dumbfounding, but dumbfounding of a different type for sure. And just another thing involving my sound that's rendered me speechless in the last seven days. I, so much has happened since then. It's difficult to really recall how bad it was, but it was bad. It was. The fact that, you know, he's called Diop and Kralov at half-time and brought uh, Rice and Dawson on, like, that sh- this should never have been in that position in, in the first place to then end the end the 120 minutes with what is technically our Premier League starting eleven. Mm. Um, but there just wasn't, apart from Rice, who came on and basically just dragged us through into the fifth Which round. Which is embarrassing in itself, isn't it? Honestly, um, it's so cringy watching it. Other than that, not a single player really played well. Like no one. Like, like I don't even think Bowen played well. Maybe he was like banging banging the badge on his chest after he'd scored the winner. I was like, mate, let's have it right. You've not exactly been putting up trees in the last 120 minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, taking you yeah. like he's scored, he's scored a great goal. I mean, he has been brilliant for us this season, so he's got a lot of credit in the bank. But. You know, Yarmenko missing again. I mean, well, I don't even know why he was... Like, that's, he fin- that's not... That's he, not he, he finished... He, I've ordered, made five subs and he stayed on the pitch for 120 minutes. Like, he was the one player, one of the only few players that played the entire game. Um, but we celebrate... Let's the, not let's do Yarmenko anymore. Let, no, let's stop. Like, we celebrate like, the second right Yeah. Sorry. Let's just assume, for just before you move on, let's just assume that we think Yarmolenko played crap whenever he features, unless yep. me and James tell you otherwise. Yep. If you think, like why aren't we mentioning him? It's because we thought he played crap, obviously. Uh, and if anything ever changes in our opinion of that after a Yarmolenko performance, we'll tell you, don't ask us. Yeah, on, Jonesy. Yeah, agreed. Um, we celebrated the Rice goal because I think that was more through relief more than anything, wasn't it? But... The Boeing goal, like, oh, was it? Yeah. And there was there's a few other West Ham fans in in the bar we were in, and I don't, I don't think anyone celebrated the winner because it was it was we were almost embarrassed that we'd ended up Dead winning silent, that game because Kidderminster, like, they deserved to 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 beat us on the day. They were desperately unlucky not to have at least taken us to a shootout. Um, and Moyes looked embarrassed in his post match presser. Um, just really really embarrassing all round, embarrassing performance. Uh, embarrassed that we won. Um, yeah, embarrassed with the photo you took at the end of the day. Embarrassed, yeah, yeah. Everything was just so embarrassing and like <laughs> just terrible, really. And then, but then you've um, 
I had a point I was going to make, but this is embarrassing because I've forgotten. Yeah, everything's embarrassing so embarrassing. Talking about it on the podcast. Everything's so embarrassing, but. Lucky, yeah. I like your black roll neck. To be fair, that's the Thanks, only mate. thing saving you at the Thanks, moment. Mate, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit hot in here, though. Um, no, that's what I was going to say. Is you said before that you know, it could, it, it might have been the the biggest FA Cup upset ever. It would have been. No tier team has ever knocked out a top tier team in the FA Cup. 150 years of the FA Cup, mm. and it would have been just typical West Ham to have that on our shoulders mm. until it ever happens again, which it probably won't. Um, and so part of me was actually quite surprised that we did end up winning it. But yeah. I felt sorry for the commitments to fans. I felt sorry for the players. Um, yeah, kind of almost, yeah, kind of apologised to them. Sorry about that. Yeah, but. I sort of, I felt sorry for him, like, as in how gutted they must have been. But I didn't, like, they were the only set of fans that walked away from that game proud of their team. I didn't yeah. feel, I was almost envious for them because of that. Like, to show for but, it that's the, that's the yeah. problem isn't it like, yeah yeah of course it is mate of course yeah but I mean they'll remember that day forever I don't just like keen to not be patronising now I just think fair play yeah. um, now I'm going to do this because you did this to me last week um, you uh, I don't know what the we'll, we'll have to think of a new phrase for it uh, but you effectively did you know like when people say you did a name drop you effectively did that with like a tweet drop. So you just mentioned one of your tweets that had banged um, last week on the, on the podcast. I can't yeah. even remember what, what it was. 700 odd likes, I think you said. Yeah, uh, can you remember the was. topic? I think it was saying on. Oh, no, it was, it was, um, can't believe we're going into the last out of transfer window. Not oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah, quite sort of quite easy likes to pick up there, I'd say, if we we're <laughs> analysing it. But uh, oh, look, West Ham fan moans about transfers, you know, sort of pretty. Uh, key stage one level stuff that as far as Twitter goes, Jonesy. But uh, so we're in the pub, um, obviously watching the Kidderminster game. You've mentioned it there. Uh, we I went absolutely mental when Declan Rice scored, which, like you say, was definitely, definitely relief more than anything because I was already I was already in a bad mood about the performance. I just wasn't mentally prepared for the stick I was going to get. I'd already started getting from Tottenham fans and just general friends of mine uh, who support various teams. I just wasn't mentally prepared for it. I may have had to go home there and then if we'd actually lost in 90 minutes. So we absolutely lost the plot. And I tweeted straight after that, I actually feel embarrassed about how much I just celebrated the last minute equaliser against Kidderminster Harriers, which is exactly how I felt. Uh, Smashed your 700 likes out of the water with a cool 1,802, uh, 132 retweets, 61 comments. Uh, no, I think the fans just appreciated that it was a little bit more niche than yours. You know what I mean? It was a little bit more like uh, live, up to date. It was a bit more topical uh, rather than just sort of the transfer stuff which gets reeled out twice a year by the same old faces on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree, mate. I agree because I said something very similar roughly around about the same time. And I think you've got Four like, likes. Like, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I've got a little bit more than that. Maybe about 10. But um, yeah, you, you win that. So I won the the arm injury battle, and you won the Twitter. Yeah, battle. yeah, so definitely. Yeah, that definitely would rather win the Twitter one as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you say, just dead silence for the for the last one. A because I thought it was offside, like the first one, so I just sat there anyway. Uh, and then B because I was like, well, yeah, just pity for for Kidderminster or whatever. One thing I'm going to say, Jonesy. Now, I know people hate this and it goes down as a bit of a football cliche, etc., etc. I am saying that 
and I'm giving the players a little bit of slack, cutting them a little bit of slack and saying that the pitch is and the pitch is a leveller of sorts. The old shtick about Premier League players should know what they're doing. I understand all that. I understand all that. But I think it's a bit like asking a track cyclist who rides like indoor track or whatever uh, to then go and do mountain biking. It's it's a similar thing, but it's different. If them players play on elite, it's perfect snooker table pitches at training every single day and at Premier League grounds across the country every single week, okay? I understand the Premier League football, this and that, professional football, blah, blah, blah. I understand that. But it it will be an almost completely different experience for them playing on on a pitch like that. It was so much slower. It was so bobbly. And they're, like the reason pro footballers are so good, and the same with any skill, like even like darts, it's just repetition, isn't it? Repetition yeah. and your motor neuron skills get used to doing the same actions and getting the same reaction from the ball. And then your body does this when you get that, that signal and it's going to bounce here and this fast and this long and et cetera, et cetera. I genuinely think that it's such a jolt because the pitch was not good that you're playing against a team who are well up for it and they were more up for it. I understand all that. But it's almost all your timing is just off. Like all you're, that you're used to doing every single day and every single weekend in a competitive environment just goes out the window and you've got to adapt. We've got like an hour warm up and then you're in the game. I, I, you know, I, I don't know or think that they went training down at Hackney Marshes or anything like that to get used to it. And I'm not suggesting that they do, but I, I, the the performance the performance was appalling. We did still win the game, so there is that to consider. That at least we did pull it out of the bag because in years gone by we definitely wouldn't have. We've also lost uh, not in the Forest, uh, Wimbledon, I think, uh, Oxford maybe. There's a few yep. other um, proper rank ones thrown in there. Gillingham, what did we? Just no, Beechley enough. No, yeah, but a um, couple of absolute rank ones in there, and ultimately we are still in the cup. Got Southampton away, barely even covered that but i think that's a reasonable draw um so i will just i will just say that in the interest of balance this isn't devil's advocacy i genuinely do think more and more and put more and more credence in the fact that you know what the the jolt from the jump to a pitch like that does have a bearing and it is reasonable to cut players a little bit of stick slack sorry yeah yeah i see where you're coming from and i I do agree i think I think I said it on the days that you know if we if, if this game has been playing at, at being played at London Stadium, um, we probably would have scored four or five. Um, pitch is a lot bigger, used to it. Um, no bubbles, good pitch. You know, we probably would have. You know, it would have been a very very comfortable victory. But the fact is, it wasn't. I do still think that even as a Premier League footballer, you should still be able to deal with it. Mm. Um, to, to a better standard than than we did on Saturday, I think you know when you're when you're young, growing up, coming through the ranks, you're playing on those pitches a lot. So you you know you have, you have a good idea of of how to deal with pitches like that. Okay, mm. you may not have played on a pitch like that for for years, but you still have a good idea of how to deal with it in terms of you know you know controlling the ball and making passes and you know and all the rest of it. So I I do agree to an extent, but at the same time, I think. Yeah, I don't think there's as a as 
a, a massive excuse for them to go, oh, yeah, well, it was the pitch, I think, you know. No, no, it's a factor that I think you can cut. Kind of I think it is a factor, well, yeah. So. I think it is a factor. Reasonable, the reasonable uh, review, that's what people come to the We Are Sound podcast for, James, isn't it? Not just blind picking a side and... Uh, and giving someone stick or just seeing the good things and everything. They like a bit of uh, reasoned and balanced uh, debate. So that is the only part of that whole Kidderman's performance that can either be slightly skewed <clears throat> to uh, it being reasonable for West Ham. And I will just say, you mentioned Declan Rice there. Same against Watford last night, um, which was an atrocious game, by the way. Obviously, I overshadowed by everything. I've never been more underwhelmed by a Premier League win, I don't think. Honestly, at the end of it, I was just like, get me out of here. Get me out of here. The game was turgid. The, the, like, the situation before was an absolute farce. The goal was rank as well. It was like that goal was the perfect goal to win a game like that. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so one thing, though, you mentioned Declan Rice there. There's been loads of coverage of him in the week. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll talk about perhaps further in the season, but the complete lack of activity in January transfer activity tells him everything he needs to know about the ambition of the club. Uh, and I honestly just think that like him coming, having to come on against Kidderminster and do that brilliant goal, by the way, what a goal that was galvanized the whole team, him having to come on and do that while the rest of them just plodded around doing absolutely nothing for the rest of the game. And even against Watford, after you said you thought Zoom was the best player, not by a, not one even close. Players. One of the best yeah. players on the night. Well, Declan Rice was streets ahead again, and it's it's borderline embarrassing, mate. Now, and I understand that he's naturally more powerful, right? So it's easier to look like you're trying harder than someone like Pablo Fornells, for example. Ben Ram was off again. I appreciate that with that slight of frame in those two players I just mentioned comes the ability to be more skillful and be more technical and whatever. But it's just even last night, he's just out there on his own. He must be thinking now, whereas earlier in the season, I don't think it was the case. He must be thinking now, I'm better than this. I'm, I'm loads better than this. Like if there was any doubt in his mind pre-January, which genuinely there could have been, he probably thinking, oh, we'll see how the rest of the season goes we qualify for the Champions League and push on like we are and go again in January, yeah, like I'd love to be part of this team. Now, especially those last two games since we last did a podcast, he must be going, what the, nah, that, that any chance of that is, is, has gone because I'm miles better than all of these, bar perhaps Bowen. Yeah, I mean, we didn't send him a, a great message. And Fabianski. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't send a great message to him in terms of our ambitions as a football club by not buying anyone. Um, he wants to play in the Champions League. Um, and at the moment, it's as if we're relying on him to drag him in there with him. You know, he's like, we're like well, you're destined for the Champions League. Can you drag us in there with you? Uh, by <laughs> on your basically own. Basically, single-handedly, you know, winning every yeah. game for us, you know? Mm. Um, because at the moment, given the last few performances, Kidderminster included, um, going all the way back to, I would say, okay, we've had a couple of wins peppered in between, but, all the way back to Boxing Day against Southampton. Um, there have been signs that this team hasn't got it in it, hasn't got it to to keep up the, the, the form that it had at the beginning of the season. Maybe the return of the Europa League might give them another little bit of a boost. Let's hope so. But showing showing signs that it's not, it's probably not going to happen for us 
and the fact that you're right, the fact that we're relying on Declan Rice to come come off the bench and change games for us or drag us through really difficult performances um, on his own week after week, which is becoming a bit of a trend. Mm. Um, it isn't good enough for a team that's you know has ambitions. Well, as we're told, has ambitions to compete in the top four. Um, okay, we're back in the top four now without win, but I mean, I don't think anyone would have complained had we lost in terms of the performance. So yeah, I think you're right on Declan Rice, and um, this gets to the point where even if we did qualify for the Champions League, he'd be off anyway. Hmm. Why would he stay? Yeah, no, exactly, mate. Um, right, that's enough of that. I don't know what else we can do, really. Uh, we've got Jake coming up. <laughs> uh, we'll have some final thoughts as well, but it's Betway Charity Bets next. Well, James Jones, let's hope we don't have to have a similar conversation to that one after the Southampton game. But to be honest, it doesn't really matter, does it? Like, it will never be as bad as that. There are no other teams ranked as lowly as Akidimits to Harriers left in the competition. We won the game and we're talking to Jake Watson from Talk Sport in a bit about his beloved Leicester City, who, as we did a few years ago, went out away to Nottingham Forest, who they're expected to beat. They got the additional thing about bitter rivals. Ultimately, we're still in the tournament, aren't we? Yeah, still in it. Um, we'll always look back at that and go a bit of a close shave, but we still managed to still managed to win. So it's what it is. Um, we have yeah. to move on now and just kind of forget that it happened and just be thankful that Declan Rice came came on to save the day, save our lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, right, Jonesy, we've got Betway Charity bets to do this week. Um, obviously, because of the timing of this podcast, we didn't get to do them pre Watford. Uh, so let's have a quick run through. If you've got them in front of you, mate, just a recap. We didn't have any winners. Did we? Um, again, no. sort of the it runs the pattern tends to be when the game's turgid, um, we don't normally win because all of us get a little bit giddy, don't we, and think West Ham are going to win every game four um, nil. We, we never, what, we, we never, we never put a bet on for like a nil nil draw. No, nah. no shots on target. Scrappy, scrappy one nil, two corners. Yeah. That never happens. Yeah, is it? Nah. it never happens. Is it? <laughs> Maybe we should, mate. Yeah, I've been tempted a few times to be fair the way it's been going, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's start with you, mate. Uh, okay, go on. You had West Ham to win. It's one out of three. Over four and a half goals, which was a little bit, a little bit overconfident. Stupid, ridiculous, uh, naive, yeah, foolish. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then Declan Rice had one, one or more shots on target. And I don't think he had a single attempt on goal, let alone a shot on target. So, no. And and uh, weirdly, still looked like one of our uh, most attacking players. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Strange yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah. Reese so had no um, Reese had West Ham scoring both halves. Um, Aaron Cresswell to assist any time, and Watford to have over three and a half corners. Now that Watford one did come in, I think they had five corners in the end, but the right. other two nowhere near. Uh, and I had West Ham to score two or more. Antonio to score first. I thought he might have finally start. You thought you might wake up in the morning on Tuesday and think, oh, yeah, I might score today. I'll see how I feel. Yeah, yeah. And Jared Bowen have two or more shots on target, which came in. Um, Hmm. So just the one out of three for all of us, I believe. No good, mate. No good at all. Yeah, bit rubbish, bit like the game. Um, But such is life, mate, such is life. Uh, Onwards and upwards. Just a reminder, of course, that um, Betway give us £50 each. Me, James and Reese Bayliss, who does this sort of stuff with us behind the scenes, not on the podcast at the moment. Um, 
But yeah, they give us a £50 charity stake each and every week or for each and every one of West Ham's Premier League games. Fantastic. Uh, any winnings from the three-legged bet your way bets that we have go towards the three charities that me and the boys are playing for. I've been playing for Bobby Moore Fund, James for the DT38, Dylan Tombidi's Foundation and Reese uh, all season and last season as well. Uh, we've been raising money for Isla's fight. Absolutely brilliant. Delighted with the work that we've done so far. Um, and Jonesy, what uh, have you got the current standings there for this season? We raised £12,500 for those charities last season, including uh, Betway agreeing to match whatever we won at the end of the season. They've agreed to do that again this season, which is brilliant. Uh, even more cash for those charities that I just mentioned. Uh, Jonesy, have you got the tally? Um, yeah, so I'm still on zero. Again, pretty mate february february oh, i thought yeah. you know what i mean i don't know it's, what, it's getting worrying what's going I'm, on i'm getting really yeah. concerned um you are on 1225 quid and right. reese is on 900 so that brings a total after betway match the winnings in the season to 4250 quid okay which is pretty which good is still a nice um, amount of money isn't it nice, nice amount, amount of money, of money. Yeah. um I still, I still rank there's probably two or three winners in us between now and the end of the season. Hopefully more, yeah. obviously. But I think the run rate suggests that we've probably got two or three more. Um, so yeah, I reckon, I reckon we're, yeah. we're doing pretty good. I like that. The run rate, we have, I say we're a little bit behind last season's tally. But a couple of big 28-1ers. to oneers, And you had a 40-1, to one, didn't you, that come in? I had a 40-1 to one last yeah. year. My, my bet for the Watford game was 40-1. to one. I thought, right, well, it's written in the stars. Yeah, but, no. yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Well, uh, looking ahead then to the game away at Leicester on Sunday afternoon, which we'll talk to Jake Watson from TalkSport about in a little while. Uh, what can you tell me, mate? What have you gone for? I've gone for over two and a half goals. Big Tommy Suchek any time. Yeah. And Bowen, two or more shots on target. Uh, he had 100% um, shot um, shots on target rate against Watford. So right. I'm fancying to do that again. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Um, I, I like you. This the old Suchek one. He just looks a shadow of his former self, doesn't he? Uh, so I've gone though, for. Yeah, yeah. I, I like you thinking. Uh, I've gone for draw. Both teams to score. Craig Dawson anytime. I just fancy he's Do a guaranteed goal. to play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not sure. Obviously, whether or not Zuma's likely to start again. If if that's going to have any more. Um, hang-ups about that. It basically means that Craig Dawson's guaranteed to start whatever happens, isn't he? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just uh, I, I fancy he's due when he come close the other night, didn't he? We looked quite dangerous uh, from set-pieces. Bowen's mastered that whipped delivery close to the goalie um, and that sort of big pack of players we tend to have at the back post towering over defenders. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm back in big Craig this week, and I just I do think the game's going to be a bit attritional and dull, and I think both teams are going into it in poor form. Um, yeah, I think it'll be a draw, and I haven't had that for a while, so um, that should up the odds a bit. What's Reese gone for, mate? Reese gone for both teams to score. Uh, West Ham to have over four and a half corners, and Aaron Cresswell to score any time, which I don't I think we've not had many of him in our selections this season. He hasn't scored since the first game first game of the season. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I mean, that would be a big price, big. no doubt, won't it? Yeah, yeah, it'd be a big yeah. price. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the free kicks and stuff. We barely seem to get any dangerous free kicks anymore, do we? Yeah, yeah we don't. I, I, it's because we've a lot of our a lot of our attacking play is out wide. 
Right. Um, I, I mean, I've, I know. It's well, not because we never have the ball in the opposition's final third. There's that. There's that as well. But <laughs> I noticed it against Watford that you know the two times we after Lanzini came, the two times we went through the middle rather than out wide first. Um, we had shots on target and one led to a goal. Um, but most of our play is out out wide, um, which which might explain it. Yeah. All right, mate. Yeah. Fair enough. That's quite. Um, that's quite good. Analysis from you, actually. I don't know. Excuse the tone. Surpri- yeah, excuse the tone of surprising <laughs> my boys. I, don't, I wasn't quite prepared for you to come out of all that sense. Um, oh, no. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Well, just a reminder: you can back our bets for real if you like on the Betway website and app. Just uh, head on over there. You'll go to the West Ham Leicester game for this week. Uh, the bets will be up for a Sunday game, probably around late Thursday, Friday. Um, yeah, you can back them for real if you like. Just go under the bet. Uh, Leicester uh, West Ham game pre-built bet selection scroll down and you'll find the We Are West Ham bets one will have my name on it one will have Jonesy's name on it and one will have Reese Bayliss's name on it if you like the sound of any of those um, yeah we'll get the odds a little bit later in the week uh, go up on Twitter uh, yeah there we go so yeah Jonesy what we got we've still got three months I hope we need to start razoring in on our focus a little bit more don't you it's the old it just I don't know it just doesn't None of them seem to be sticking this year, do we? Like whenever we go for go big, West Ham had a few games where like they've they've gone big and it's surprising players who've scored maybe or or we haven't backed the big result in the game that we've expected. I think a little bit of it is sort of we've come unstuck against the smaller teams, haven't we? So we've gone big on the bets those weeks. Um or smaller teams, you'll excuse me. You know what I mean? The Brentfords, Brightons, yeah. Southamptons of the world, at home particularly. Um the results sort of haven't gone with like league position and general club size, have they all the time? No, that's been a bit of a strange one, isn't it? Like we've kind of we've almost reverted back to the same of West Ham in terms of you know beating the the, the so-called bigger clubs and then dropping points against the smaller ones. But hmm. um, that means that trying to trying to bet on these games has been incredibly difficult. I think last last yeah. year we we performed very well and we had we had three winners that were well over twenty to one. We had that 40 to 1 that I got yeah. in. So we, we had quite a lot of big winners, which bumped it up, which may have skewed actually what we thought the run rate was, if you know what I mean. Potentially, the yeah. Big winners uh, we, do you had. Think we, we had a few little ones, but the bulk mm. of that money was made up of the sort of the ones that were the over between the one that we got in. Don't you think as well that last season our goals were coming from more predictable sources? Like we were a lot more consistent from set pieces. We don't look as good from set pieces this year, whether it's teams working us out or what. But like the ones we had, there were both of my big ones were involving Ogbonna and again set pieces or whatever. Uh, a couple had Suchek involved, didn't they? And he was sort of getting up and about in the mixer. And I think perhaps we we're a little bit stuck in um, like last season's way of scoring goals. I think it's a bit more varied now. Often more often than not involves Jared Bowen. I think we need to ditch Michel Antonio from our thinking as well for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I mean last year as well. Second half of the season, Lingard arrived in he and was yeah. banging him in for fun for a little while. And we had we had a few bets with him in, um, and him yeah. putting shots on target and stuff like that. So, but it's, at the moment we don't really have someone like that. I know Bowen's on form, but we don't have someone like mm. that who's just taking the game by the scruff of the neck every week and, and looking dangerous. Yeah, well, in a weird way, I hope my uh, bet doesn't come in because I want West Ham to win the game. But if the game goes as I've, I've sort of thought a bit more with my head this week rather than my heart. So if it is a scrappy one or draw, but 
um, Dawson gets the, uh, the 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 opening goal, and then Leicester peg one back right at the death. Although I'll be disappointed if I can pull a few quid in for the Bobby Moore fund, I'll be reasonably happy. Uh, yeah, nice one, Jonesy. We got Jake Watson from Talk Sport, easily the most handsome man that I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, coming up next, and you know what's annoying? He's really nice with it. Jake Watson, Talk Sport, big Leicester fan. Next. Betway Charity Bets there then, and I'm delighted to say that joining us once again, a friend of mine, friend of the show, uh, Talk Sports Jake Watson, huge Leicester City fan, to join in the general positive vibes going on on the podcast this week. West Ham have had just narrowly avoiding the biggest FA Cup upset in history before one of our players disgracefully kicking his cat all over the place front page and back pages of newspapers up and down the country and then he gets played bafflingly bit of a negative one from our point of view jake surely whatever's been going on at leicester has been far more positive this week <laughs> nottingham forest uh, losing to your bitter rivals in the cup and one of your fans running on the pitch and punching an opposition player yeah <laughs> <laughs> What a time to be a football fan. A, a quiet week in the in the world of Leicester and West Ham, wasn't it? Um, off the back of Nottingham Forest, I thought that my week was going to be talking about that. Fortunately, um, Boreham Wood saved us somewhat by, by knocking out Bournemouth. So it meant that everyone was talking about that cup upset on the Monday morning, as opposed to Leicester being, you know, demolished by their by their local rivals and and as they say the the absolute mayhem on and off the pitch from from some of the supporters. So yeah, it's um that coupled with the the pretty horrendous form over the last few weeks and uh yeah, it's 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 not really a period when I'm I'm looking forward to to watching Leicester play at the moment, but um but yeah, we've we've had worse weeks, haven't we, I'm sure. What do you make of the the, the stuff with the fan then because that sort of rightfully so just dominated it. There's been a bit of a a narrative until Kurt Zuma came along really and and changed that completely uh there's been a narrative about fan behavior and more pit approachments which there definitely has been uh in the games i've been at and been uh watching you watch just as much football as as we do and there is a line and things do seem to be getting worse in my opinion i'll be honest leicester aren't really a club i would associate with that normally i'm sure they've got a <laughs> section of fans but mm. is it the incident something that surprised you or not really, no. Um, I'm going to do a classic Arsene Wenger and say I didn't see it. <laughs> and I genuinely didn't. And it, it was quite strange, to be honest, because um, the Leicester fans, I was there at the game. We had the whole um, stand behind the goal and, and the incident was on the, the far right-hand side and I was on the far far left. Um, and it, it was quite strange. Because I don't think many people were actually aware that it happened no. during the game. It was obviously people who were watching and, and people on social media who, who were far more aware. But look, obviously it goes without saying, absolutely um, ridiculous, um, appalling, and the guy will get his, his, his just punishment. And, uh, you know, there was trouble before the, the, the game as well around Nottingham. And whilst I'm not going to absolve all blame from, from the Leicester fans, because... Ultimately, I think it would happen with, with any football club because unfortunately there's a minority who, who follow yeah, all football yeah. teams. But it was a local derby and it was on at four o'clock. Mm. It was four o'clock in the afternoon. We've not played each other in eight years. And that was done to to, to make sure that it had prime slot on, on TV. So, so look, you know, we all... I'm not going to say they were asking for trouble, but what did you expect to happen? Yeah. You know, mm. people were out drinking all day. 
Um, it was a huge opportunity for, for these guys to go to a team and a ground they haven't done in years. And, and, and people can't handle the drink and they, they get excited and, and, and stupid crap happens. And, you know, I think Leicester will, will now get fined and punished for it and, and rightly so. But, you know, I think the, the takeaway message for me is, is, is that football authorities and, and the FA, et cetera, need to have a look at and thinking, right, well, let's not do that again. And there's a reason why we have local derbies at lunchtime. <laughs> Jake, what are your views on... I saw there was a video from, I think it's Hamza Chowdhury after mm. that night. He's, he's at a party with a couple, a couple of other players as well. James Justin and, and Danny Ward. I yeah, see. I've got my view on it. Um, but I'm interested to hear your view of being a Leicester fan. And so a lot of Leicester fans are really, really angry with, with the fact that they were at a party until, what, five in the morning the following day. What, what's your view on it? Yeah, bitterly, bitterly disappointed with the players. Okay. Um, look... You know, we know that footballers have a lives and they've got to, you know, and, and they will do that. But the fact that one of the most embarrassing days in, in recent history, and it is, it's, it's absolutely embarrassing to, to not only be knocked out by lower league opposition, but to be Nottingham Forest and in the manner that it was. And also, you know, the comments after the game from, from the manager was saying that it's questioning the players' desire and, and saying that a lot of these players are going to be moved out in the summer. Well, of those three, two of those players are likely to be moved out in the summer. So it gives you a fairly decent indication, James, of, of I think anyway, of what those players think of the manager. They're not bothered. You know, they're mm. going to move on. Um, and the fact that they allowed themselves to be out till five o'clock in the morning and the video to, to then surface on, on the internet the next day, it's just really naive and it's, it's not professional. And, and in the case of Hamza Chowdhury as well, this isn't the first time it, it, it's happened. I mean, Boys, it was the last time we spoke, if you remember, the back end of, of last mm-hmm. season, when, you know, mysteriously, just before the, the team news were announced, we found out that that half the Leicester team had broken the COVID rules. Yeah. Um, and and then we lost that game and it played a huge factor in us not getting top four. We missed out by one point. And if you remember, we were three nil down after about half an hour against you guys yeah. because of yeah. that horrific preparation for that game. And and Hamza Chowdhury was one of the main culprits. Of, of that situation. So I do think there's a, there's a culture there which needs to change. And I think the, the players are taking the mickey. I really do. What's going on then? Because Brendan Rodgers has ultimately guided Leicester so well over the past few years. It's common knowledge the amount of time you spent in the top four without actually finishing there at the end yeah. of the season, the amount of game weeks. Obviously not a great stat, but it lends itself, or it, it clearly demonstrates how well Leicester have been playing on the whole. Mm. Um and it doesn't seem very... Brendan Rodgers seems like a good man-manager. It doesn't seem like that's the sort of culture he would perpetuate at a club. And on and off the pitch, mm. the wheels just seem to have come off in the past few months. What's the time scale and why? Yeah, it's it's been a strange season in general, to be honest. Um, it's never got going at any point. And uh, it's caught us all by surprise because... Um, we didn't lose any of our star players in the summer, which we've done every other year over the last five, mm-hmm. six years. Um, and, and you know, the, the goal of the summer transfer window was to, to improve the squad. And we thought we did that. So if you look at the fact that we finished fifth the last two seasons and we'd won the FA Cup and then we started the season winning the Community Shield as well. You know, for, for many, they won't acknowledge that as a proper trophy. But for teams okay, like yeah, Leicester yeah, yeah. Who, who don't play in it regularly, whilst we know it's not a major trophy, it is of significance. So we went into the season with pretty high hopes of, of, of trying to at least replicate what we've done the last two seasons. But we've been a million miles away from that kind of level. Um, 
I think we've won maybe four or five games in the league this season. But I can but I can name you three of those games which we won when we were absolutely dreadful. Um, and there were some stats flying around lately of you know when people do the breakdowns of passes into the final third, um, you know shots conversion, clean sheets, and and Leicester are right down the very bottom. And, mm-hmm. and and we've been we've been saved by those three games against Wolves, Norwich, and Brentford, where we didn't deserve to win, but somehow we did, and it puts us in mid table. But the reality of our performances is we've been a bottom half side this season. Um, we've been knocked out of the FA Cup by lower league opposition. We threw away a great opportunity in the League Cup quarterfinals against Liverpool when they played their reserves. Yeah. We were pre-season favourites along with you guys for the Europa League. We got knocked out of the flipping group stages, and now we're in mid-table. So it's been, it has, it has been dreadful. No, no matter how well you look at it, um, yeah, it's it's not been a good season at all. Jake, do you think that? See, there's talk that Tillemans is on his way. He's going to go on mm. a free in, in the in the summer. Given the season that you've had up to this point, or up to at least the transfer window, um, Leicester in the exact same boat as us needed to strengthen in key areas. Didn't? Do you think that? The, well, we we all know how ambitious, ambitious the Leicester owners are. You know they've been superb for the football club ever since they arrived. Do you think that the which is similar at West Ham that not signing anyone and not improving that squad has kind of showed the players like Tillemans that actually that ambition at the football club is either not as high as it should be or waning a little bit and they're kind of almost resting on the laurels a little bit. We've had a couple of good seasons. We've won the FA Cup, won the Premier League. You know we don't need to we don't need to improve as much as as much as perhaps we need to. Um, I actually think there are quite a lot of differences between the two windows, despite the fact that neither of us signed any players. I think in, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think in West Ham's case, it's a situation where the Sullivans and Golds aren't really giving Moyes the cash that he needs and wants. Um, for Leicester, it, it is different. Our squad is is too big. Um, the mm. problem that we've had this season on top of the Lots of injuries I've already touched on is, is the injuries. Yeah. So, so what's the point in us going to sign a central defender for 30, 40 million pounds in January when Wesley Fofana is going to be back in a couple of months. Yeah. Um, and, and, and there's that case throughout the team. Now in the summer, Yuri Tielemans will go as I suspect Chaglar Soyuncu will. And there's a few others that we want to move on, but we can't move them on right now. Um, so it really is building towards a big summer rebuild. Naturally, you know, fans wanted to see players come in to help us out right now, but it would have just been a short fix problem. And I don't think it really solves the longer term issues. And look, you know, we're not really going to win anything and, and achieve something this season. And, and that's OK. You know, yeah, we yeah. did last season and we did the season before. You can't win and achieve something every single season. So sometimes you just have to, to take, to- take, take stock, take a step back and say, right, this one hasn't gone to plan. How are we going to improve it next season? And, and I think that's what and I think and I hope that's what they're doing right now. And Do you think... That's the thing with Leicester, they w- you will improve, won't you? Yeah, I, I like well, Leicester fans, James, can probably sit on those sentiments and accept them a little more than West Ham, can't well, we? Because we're off filled, filled, filled the trophy cabin up a little bit over the last few years yeah, as well. Exactly, yeah. they've bought enough credit for people to go, actually, they it's all right if this season is average mm. because yeah. they've got faith in the people running the show that that in, in the summer again they'll go again in order to try and make the next four years as good as the last four. Yeah, I, yeah, I completely agree that it's probably a little bit easier to accept for for Leicester, given the success you've had compared to us. That's you know it's been four mm. years since you've last won a trophy. Um, if you don't count playoff finals and Betway <laughs> Cups, yeah, no, and the rest of it. but we we absolutely do for sure. You're right. But in terms of that rebuild that you've mentioned in the summer, obviously Brendan Rodgers has mentioned it. Actually, is Brendan Rodgers the right man to oversee oversee that rebuild? 
my personal opinion, yes. Um, but there's a long, there's a long time and a long way just, to go. Yeah, I can't until the summer. Why anyone wouldn't feel that way because there's a situation where it looks like there's a disconnect between the the players and the manager right now. You right. know, as I said earlier, he called out the players after the game. You don't publicly criticise players and, and call out their their desire and their their um, commitment to the club unless he hasn't already tried everything else and this is the last resort. Yeah, so now, right. Brendan, I mean, we've never seen Brendan Rodgers do that before. So mm. why is he doing that now? Because he's tried and he's tried and he's tried um, and clearly it's not working. Mm. Um, so if there's a situation where there's 10 or so players which aren't happy with the manager, what's it quicker and easier and, and cheaper to do? It's to, it's to change the manager as opposed to, to 10 players. Mm. So the owners have got a, a decision to make where they either trust Brendan Rodgers and see him as the man to to overhaul the squad and, and freshen it up and, and go again in the summer or um, they sack him and, and and say, well, actually, you know, we think the players are good enough and think the problem here is that the manager is no longer getting to tune out the players. And it has at times just felt like Brendan is struggling to get a reaction from the players. Um, you know, he, he, he is a very good manager. There's no question, but, but if he has lost the backing of yeah, a yeah. number of the players, then then you, you're left with a decision to make. And, you know, whilst I do like Brendan, I want him to stay and I want him to turn things around. My concern is, is that over the next few weeks, we've got Liverpool. Um, and then, of, of course, we, we've got you guys. I think there's a very, very real possibility if we lose both of those games heavily, that, that Brendan could be without a job next week. I really do think that. I mean, I hope not, but I think that could be a, a real possibility. Yeah, just where you get that like golden spell, that little mm. perfect mm. time where everything's harmonious and working. That go can go stale quite quickly, can't it? And then it's almost you rarely see it mm. clawed back, do you? But that's what like... it feels. That's what it's felt like all season. It's just felt stale. Mm. You know, when you when you're watching your team and the the one thing that you you want any football fan wants is to know that your team has given everything. Mm. You know, we lose games of football. You know, I've seen Leicester and a lot worse yeah, yeah, yeah. than what we are right now. But what we don't accept is when you walk away from the, the performance thinking, I don't really think they they threw the kitchen sink yeah, at you today. Yeah, yeah. I don't really yeah. think that, you know, players have, have left everything out on the pitch. And it just feels that, you know, as, as I've said, that there's certain players and quite a lot of them who who have who have been massively off their, their top levels. And, you know, combine that with injuries and, and bad signings and then important players being off form, the recipe isn't great for success, is it? No, definitely not. Looking forward to the game at the weekend then. Well, I don't know if you are looking forward to I'm it. I'm not but... at all. <laughs> I'm absolutely not. No uh, way. I promise you right now, our, our record, as you guys will well know, is absolutely awful against you guys. I, I know you're going to ask me for a, a prediction soon, but um, I'm not going to predict the Leicester win. I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to hate every single moment of it. Well, I don't know if you've watched um, our last two games of football, Jake. Kidderminster <laughs> Harriers away, which was... Good size. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm terrified because we've got Randers, Randers FC in the Europa Conference League. Um, I was going to fly out to Denmark for it, um, but I went to Napoli and I had the worst time of my life. And I've decided... I'm not going to go all the way to northern Denmark to watch us lose potentially against Randers. So I think Kidderminster would give us a game as well. I think you, I think you did well to get past him. Uh, Jake, just quickly before we go on to the game then, tell us, because I know a little bit about your Napoli trip. Was it as bad as Jonesy yes. and I booking uh, flights and a hotel to Vienna uh, five to the tune oh. of around 500 quid, only to be told within 48 hours, James? That uh, first yeah. of all, fans would be banned, and then Austria had gone into complete lockdown, so we couldn't even go for a little romantic trip away. 
It's close, you know. It was good. It really is close. It, it is quite comfortably the worst football trip or trip in general I've ever been on <laughs> in my life. Um, it rained from the very moment we got there till the moment we left. Not just normal rain, it was torrential to the point that you couldn't even walk around without getting absolutely soaked wet through. Um, if anyone's been to Napoli before, with the greatest of respects, it's not actually a particularly nice city. You know, around Napoli, you know, the Amalfi Coast, Sorrento, beautiful. Napoli, not really. Um, we missed half of the game because the organised buses which they put on took us the wrong way around the city during rush hour. Um, so there was five goals in the game of which we missed two of them. Uh, we missed four of them, sorry. Um, the only goal I did see was the winning goal for, for Napoli. Um, they then made us stay in the stadium for an entire hour afterwards. Um, you know, as the, again, as they do as a security measure. Yeah. But there was about 10,000 fans in the stadium anyway. So no one was bloody there to wait for us anyway. Um by the time we got back to Napoli after the game, we all just wanted to go home. And that's basically what we did. And uh, What do you reckon, Jonesy? Better or worse than ours? Well, our trip, which consisted of talking I... about what we would have done if we'd have gone on the trip or left our homes. It, it does sound horrendous. Um, it was awful. I, I honeymooned in uh, Sorrento, so I'd have been quite tempted just to sort of take a little drive down there just Stack to kill some time yeah. instead. Yeah, Don't do lovely. it. It's lovely down there. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, Jake, don't, don't go to Napoli. I, I cannot stress this enough. There's, there's nothing there. There's still a chance we'll draw them in the knockout stages, obviously. Um, yeah. So, talking about the game on Sunday, yeah. Leicester West Ham, we're in terrible form. The Watford game last night was weirdly as attritional and terrible as the kid of Mr. Harriers was, despite the fact that the pitch was loads better uh, and some of our good players actually played. Um you're not going into it in a great vein of form either. Is it just going to be a horrible nil-nil with both teams no. play terribly or does someone get a stay of execution out of it? Um, if there's anything that you know about Leicester is that we concede um, and at very frequent regularity. Um, I believe it's now over more than two goals a game. It's pushing three goals a game that we concede. Um, so if Leicester score four, then we may make a game of it. <laughs> um but I suspect we won't. So, um, and 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 when Leicester have played West Ham in, in recent games, what I found is, is that what happens is we get bullied by West Ham. They're a lot more physical than what we are. We're not a physical team, never have been. Um, it's just not the, the ethos of a Brendan Rodgers side. Um, so we are weak. We're weak defensively. Um, we're rubbish defensively. Um, and you're big and strong, and <laughs> and you know you've got our number. And it does whenever we when it feels whenever we play you guys, it feels like you've got our number. And uh, yeah, I, I fear I fear that. Well, no, not even fear. I, I I fully expect to lose the game. I really do. Even taking our form into consideration. Yeah, I, I do because um, if if you go down the route, which is quite clearly obvious that you should go down, is to get balls into the box and to and to test the defenders. You will get chances. Mm. Um, you know, if if a game, say for instance, like Watford and Roy Hodgson makes it incredibly difficult to to break down. You know, if you if you sit two banks of four, it, it's hard to break people down. Leicester are not hard to break down. They're really easy to score against. And I just I just I can't see a scenario where players like Suchek and Mikel Antonio, etc., aren't completely bullying and, and dominating our defence and, and midfield. So look, you know, of course I'll be watching the I game won't be and worried about Antonio, mate. Well, do you know what I mean? What mean yeah. Obviously I'm gonna be hoping for 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 a positive result, but I think that the the safe money is is on a on a very similar 
kind of track to, to what we've seen previously of, of West Ham winning and, and probably kind of out, you know, muscling and, and physicality-wise against a very weak and, and low on confidence and very mentally fragile Leicester team. It sounds like we've got a mentally fragile, low on confidence, weak Jake Watson in Honestly, the studio. Honestly, you, you, you are stood there watching it happen and every single time there's a corner, there's just a collective groan of thinking, oh, here we bloody go again. <laughs> this is going in. <laughs> No, but you, I mean, look, if just watch the highlights from the Nottingham Forest game. You know, this is the championship side, which again aren't a particularly physical side. And and Steve Cooper was asked about it afterwards. He said, Do you know about did you know about you know Leicester's weaknesses at, at crosses? And, and he, it was nodding before the question had even finished. Um, so everyone knows this. So, you know, if David Moyes has any sense whatsoever and has watched any Leicester games, just just keep putting the ball in the box and you will score. You will. What what's the defensive situation at Leicester at the moment? Because you said there that you expect us to score loads of goals because you keep conceding. I mean, we've huffed and puffed in the last few games to to even get shots on target. Um, but Leicester have had defensive problems, haven't they? You've had like half the defence injured yeah. for most of the season. There's, is that why you're conceding loads? Is that why yeah, it, you think West Ham are going to run right? It is absolutely not helped. Um, you know, Johnny Evans is out. Wesley Fafana's out. Timothy Castani has been out. James Justin has just returned. Ricardo Pereira has just returned. Um, Dan Amati's been away at the African Cup of Nations. Chagla Soyuncu's form has been absolutely horrific. Yannick Vestergaard has arguably been Leicester's worst signing in the last decade. Um, and I could go on. I could. Um, we've been playing midfielders in defence instead of you know, actual defenders because the defenders are playing so bad. Um, so it's been a different combination of, of players in every single game, which which doesn't help things because mm. you know there's there's no there's no consistency, there's there's no relationship building between the defenders. But that being said, the back four against Nottingham Forest was Luke Thomas, James Justin, Danamati, and and Shagla Soyuncu, and and that is an experienced back four who has played together before. So there's no excuse for for the bad defending, but you know, you do have to add context that we are still missing lots of players and it is a different combination every single week. So, you know, Brendan Rodgers hasn't been helped, mm. but at the same time, some of the defence and defending has been inexcusable. Mm. Just a combination. It's just the basics, yeah, yeah. you know, head the ball, yeah. kick the ball and, uh, you know, <laughs> tackle people, but they're not doing it yeah, and, yeah, and they're yeah. not. And, uh, you know, it's becoming a, a big, big problem. And the more it happens, you know, then the more psychologically the defenders know it's a problem. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. we're now in a, in a horrible situation where I can't see it getting better anytime soon. Josie, I don't know about you, but this has cheered me right up. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I'm I'm a lot more confident than I was about an hour ago. It's a bit that way. I feel a lot more better about West Ham in general, actually. Thanks. I feel better as well. I've got this off my chest. It's been (laughs) good. Uh, Jake, you suggested or you mentioned it already earlier on. We're going to ask you for a score prediction, which we always do. You said you're not going for a Leicester win. What are you saying? 3-1 3-1 West Ham. 3-1. And by the way, I mean, that is... by the way, I've done hundreds of these these podcasts and shows before and you know we're always asked to predict the score at the end. I don't think I've ever predicted Leicester to lose before. <laughs> wow. This is, this is a first. This is a first. E- even if I think we're going to lose, I would convince myself we could get a draw somehow. Whereas I'm going straight in, we're going to lose 3-1. <laughs> Not even <laughs> no. two goal difference. No. Yeah, yeah. You're uh, in it. <laughs> Josie, what are you saying? I mean, I know just spent best part of what 10 minutes saying how bad Leicester are defending mm. but I still I'm just not sure about our ability to <laughs> to really be that ruthless as we were before yeah. at the beginning of the season totally agree I'm going to I'm, I'm going to go I'm going to go 2-2 two, two nil West Ham um, so and it'll be basically what Jake, Jake said no we'll score <laughs> no I'm going to go 2 nil West Ham but it'll be like a 
it'll be like a huff and puff 2-0. It'll be a deflected goal and then like a one from a corner in like 93rd minute when Leicester yeah, were just There'll be one up. from a corner. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's yeah. a safe bet. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go. It's, I'm going to think it's going to be one of those where two, as we've done today, two groups of fans who aren't really aware of quite how bad the other one are playing. <laughs> uh, I think it'll be an ugly one-all. Well, we'll ah. definitely score from a corner now. Uh, and both sets of fans just come away just as grumpy as they were about the whole thing before, furious with the point. But look, Jake's been brilliant having you with us. No, Thanks thank for you. Nice to do in person. I think it's the first time I've ever done it uh, since the old Love Sport radio days sitting across each other. But uh, yeah, it's the, James, uh, very disconcerting. Usually when I'm on camera with you, uh, I sort of feel reasonably confident in the fact that I'm the most handsome one on the screen. But having Jake Watson sat next to me, uh, broadcasting and professional model extraordinaire is uh, not a thing you need really on a Wednesday afternoon. But Jake's been brilliant having you with us. Thanks for joining us. Jonesy, West Ham women, next. So, Jonesy, one positive thing that has happened in a week of head-in-hands negativity at West Ham United is the West Ham women beating Aston Villa 2-1 away in the WSL on Sunday. Abby Lee Stringer opened the scoring on 12 minutes before former Hammer Alicia Lehman uh, scored a penalty for the home side on 42 to draw things level. But 10 minutes later, or 10 game minutes later, obviously after half-time, as well, uh, Katrina Svitkova scored for the Hammers on 52 minutes to make it 2-1. They held on for the win. What an absolutely brilliant result it was. We were talking last week, Jonesy, about the importance of this game. It's uh, The girls are seventh in the WSL now, level on points with Man City uh, in sixth. who are on 20, a f- nice four-point gap between Brighton, who are beneath them. We've also played a game more. Uh, and then Villa below them in ninth, now seven points behind West Ham. Superb win, that is, James, and really puts us in amongst that middle bracket of teams, even perhaps looking upwards towards Tottenham fourth, 24 points, only a four-point gap, same amount of games played. Reading, to be fair, two points ahead, but have that game in hand, albeit, uh, I believe, against Chelsea, which um, you know you'd suspect would be a win for the Blues. But brilliant stuff. For the West Ham women, um, obviously sort of been overshadowed by everything else, but some finally something positive to talk about, mate. Yeah, we've said quite quite a few times this season that you know these games against the likes of Villa and the teams in and around us in the, in the table that we need to be targeting for wins. And, and as you said there, it, that win against Villa puts us gives us a little bit of a cushion from from eighth down. Um, it means that a top half a top half finish isn't particularly out of the question, particularly with the form that City are in. I think they'll have they'll drop points between now and the end of the season still. Um Tottenham are definitely capable of dropping points. And Reading's game is that game Reading's game in hand is against Chelsea. So there's real opportunity now if we get continue with this run of form. So to push on and, and, and really cement ourselves in the top ten of the WSL and we say every single week that the transformation between last season to this season has been outstanding for Molly Harder and, and his players and, and his staff. And Paul Kocheski in the backroom staff as well, doing a great job. And wins like that only go and help it. And um, to win away from home as well is a, a bonus. Yeah, absolutely great stuff, mate. Um, just just uplifting, really, isn't yeah. it? Just nice to see. Uh, um yeah, nice. I've got that wrong, by the way, mate. They're gaming hands against Manchester City, Reddings, not Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea also played 12 games. Um, but yeah, they, they they play Man City twice still this season, Reading. Uh, which probably which, better again, for us, actually. Of I mean, course One of them's got to drop points. 
exactly. Yeah, that's two occasions where um, one or both of them will drop points. So that's good stuff. Real opportunity for the girls to push on. Uh, it's Leicester away next, Jonesy. A bit of a, a strange coincidence. West Ham away to Leicester City on Sunday afternoon at two o'clock. Um, yeah, the men's playing Leicester away on the same day. Women doing the same thing. Um, winnable, quite frankly. In fact, disappointed Leicester in 11th. Played 14, won three, lost 11. Uh, disappointed if we didn't win that, I think. And what a run of form that would turn into. Yeah, yeah, we should be looking at winning that. I mean, Leicester have started picking up some results. They were rock bottom for quite a while. See, newly promoted. But um, this West Ham team's got much... Um, and more than enough to, to beat to beat this Leicester team and, and push on for that mm. top 10 yeah absolutely mate great stuff um, positive stuff all around apologies we had to do that a little bit short we're trying to rattle through this this week but uh, yeah some positive stuff well played to Ollie Harder and all the girls there brilliant win uh, keep it going final thoughts coming up next Well, Jonesy, uh, I think after a pretty depressing start to the show, we've actually wrapped it up in reasonably positive fashion. Uh, cheered me right up having uh, our good mate Jake Watson from Talk Sport on talking about his beloved Leicester in such dour, depressing, miserable terms. It was quite nice to feel like we're not the only ones. Uh, and then, of course, the, the West Ham women's win away at Aston Villa as well, sort of started down here um, and then we've gradually risen our way up ahead of that game uh, at Leicester on Sunday. Um, how do you feel after we've done the show? We've squeezed it in in different fashion, a bit later in the week, lunchtime thing rather than our relaxed evening vibe, but we've done it in reasonable time. Um, how do you feel? Well, like I said on the opposition view, I feel a lot, a lot more, a lot happier since um, than I did at the beginning of the pod. I look more positive. Um, Jake's very encouraging comments on Leicester's inability to keep clean sheets and defend uh, corners has, has given me a lot of hope for Sunday. West Ham women doing brilliantly. Really, really hope that we can put this Zuma situation behind us um, and kind of just focus on the football again because, okay, the form has been poor over the last few games, but the season's still been a wonderful season. We're still fourth in the Premier League. Got the Europa League to look, look forward to. We've got the draw, what, in two weeks' time, or a week's time, you know. There's still so much to look forward to, so much to be positive about. Um, it feels like we're under a bit of a dark cloud at the moment in terms of the form and all the off-field controversies, but just hopefully we can put it all behind us sooner rather than later and then just focus on what what still could be a really historic West Ham season. So, um, yeah, I feel, I feel relatively positive. Just, um, yeah, we just need to... It's going to form back. I think that's the key thing for West Ham at the moment. Just start start getting that form back and then we can start looking forward. Yeah, I feel you, mate. I like your... Uh, I, I like that attempt at positivity. I think for this one week, we can allow ourselves to to perhaps wallow. So it's so bizarre, the fact that we've actually won our last two games. Absolutely crazy that Barely. this is the podcast we're going to be put out. <laughs> Barely won having, our last two games. Yeah, having won two games. is so bizarre how different the narrative can be. Um, but yeah, credit to Kidamitz Harris, Matt Preston in particular, their centre back. I think one man of the match didn't give him any credit. Uh, much rather have him in our defence than than Issa Diop, that's for sure. So credit to him for that game. Credit to Kidamitz on the whole, really, because they played. Fan- it wasn't even one of them. Obviously, we didn't play great, 
but they did actually play really well as well. So important to say that. Um, we did win the game. So, okay. Yeah, we avoided a major FA Cup upset. At least we avoided it. That's not a stat we'll have. Um, and we won't be looking back on the game as we do with some defeats in recent seasons. So that bit's a positive for sure. The Kurt Zuma stuff, we've said all we need to say on that, really. Uh, the video itself in the first place was just disgusting. Uh, again, we've, we've done that. I don't know what on earth someone, any human being is thinking doing that sort of thing. Um, and then yeah, the decision afterwards for West Ham to play him doesn't sit very well with me at all, that one. Uh, however, it didn't tarnish what was an absolutely really moving, really touching uh, and quite frankly, a beautiful uh, tribute to the little girl. So we do have to give credit to the club for that, uh, what they've done there. There's, as I mentioned, there's stuff in the programme, um, the feeling of unity among the fans before the game and in the seventh minute during the applause. That stuff was done really well. And I'd like to end on that note, really. Yeah, we've got a game coming up uh, against Leicester on Sunday. Fingers crossed we win that. It sounds like we might. Thanks to Talk Sports, Jake Watson for joining us earlier on to chat through that. Um, but all the negativity that's gone so far, James was talking as well about the positives on the pitch. But uh, yeah, I'd just like to end the podcast really um, remembering the the moment before the kickoff uh, and in the seventh minute where everyone came together in a touching tribute to West Ham's um, very own little princess, Isla Caton. Uh, definitely best way to end, end the podcast on that. So uh, ignore the rest for now. That's what we're keeping our head. Um, and yeah, moving forward, we'll, we'll keep on remembering Isla and making sure her legacy gets remembered. Uh, as it will and uh, yeah remember that's really more important than sort of anything else that's gone recently uh, you can follow us on twitter at we are underscore west ham we're on instagram at we are west ham pod facebook search the we are west ham podcast do the same on youtube where you find some clips for today you could probably get to have a look at jake sitting next to me as well and how out handsome i was within about two seconds of him sitting down subscribe to the podcast give us five stars write a review but more importantly of course tell your friends about us and you can buy us a beer if you so wish and support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash we are west ham uh, 175 pounds worth of those donations were spent um, in the sports bar in London Bridge on Saturday afternoon when me and Jonesy went out for a few. So thanks to those of you who contributed. Feel free to keep doing so because we will be doing it again. Uh, don't forget you can email us as well. We are westhampod at gmail.com. West Ham are fourth in the Premier League, albeit the teams around us still have some games in hand to play. We are through to the next round of the FA Cup where we're away to Southampton. Didn't really touch on that much this week's show but I think you can understand why decent draw avoided all the big teams fingers crossed we can get through that but as I said already what's gone before we've discussed it we've covered it it's clear to see and hear hopefully where me and Jonesy lie on the situation however absolutely touching tribute to Isla Caton at West Ham's game against Watford and that's the bit that that will stay with me and that I hope stays with the rest of you thanks for listening everyone up the hammers West Ham are massive and we'll see you next week. This week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a fantastic signed and framed David Moyes shirt tickets 
are just £5.95 each. Only 49 will be sold and the competition ends on Friday the 11th of February at 7.30pm. So you've got a fantastic chance of winning there. The draw will be made an hour later live on the Football Prizes Facebook page. Don't forget there's been some fantastic signed pieces from Tony Cotty, Saeed Benrahma, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Sufal up for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Podcast Network.